1: suds 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 it's time for more suds welcome to the suds podcast where everything good in life is worth discussing i am one of your hosts here today good boy mike joining me here at the table is good old boy
0: kendall i'm glad to be here one of my favorite subjects Hey Mike, this isn't Portlandia. Let's
1: start the radio show. Oh yeah, that's right. This is our, our radio show. I'm sorry, is somebody else's uh, theme music. Today we're going to talk about the great city of Portland, Oregon, and delicious food, beer, and coffee there. But first, we want to let
0: you know who this episode is sponsored by. Travel Portland Visitor Bureau, your one-stop online source for everything in Portland, Oregon. You'll find events calendars, a directory of things to do, places to shop, and the places you want to be. Just head to TravelPortland.com.
1: Well, this show is definitely all about uh, Portland, Oregon. We thought we'd start off with just kind of talking about a general lay of the land. Kendall, I know you've uh, been to Portland quite a bit
0: i love portland i've been there at least six times honestly i've lost count uh but i can say at least six since uh, in, in the last 10 years is that or so. what makes it weird you can't count maybe <laughs> yeah uh i, I was working uh work for a company that had a satellite office there so i got to go a few times for work my wife has a cousin in oregon city just south of downtown portland and uh she's got some other family in the northwest so it's a great place to visit It's known for its parks, bridges, bicycle paths, it's eco-friendly, and it has great microbreweries and coffee houses, and it's known for its weirdness, too. They're proud of it.
1: Uh, Like taking pictures of the PDX airport carpet. I mean, really. It's... It's a real thing, people. you got to look this up. Trust me. My wife has a PDX Airport carpet refrigerator magnet. And I'm telling you, she's a candidate for group therapy that should show up. And And we were doing some research, and we found somebody that actually has a tattoo.
0: The Portland carpet tattoo. <laughs> it's crazy. I can't believe this it's, happens.
1: You know, yeah, I can tell. We're just banned
0: uh, once again. going to be banned for sure. It's a I? wonderful <laughs> town, but let's not get banned from Portland. I really want to go back there. I do too, so. You know, talking about the airport, when you fly into Portland, make sure you take the MAX into downtown. It's a great way to get around town. It's the best way, the cheapest way to get from the airport to downtown. So hop on the MAX train. The station's right at the airport. You can't miss it. You're going to head into town. You're going to cross the Willamette River on that train. Say that, Willamette. Willamette. Willamette, yeah. Make sure you pronounce it correctly or they'll laugh at you. Definitely. Uh, That river divides Portland, east and west. Uh, And in Burnside divides the city north and south that's really handy to know
1: so willamette uh, valley has some of my favorite wines in the world and some of the best pinot noir on you soil uh, listen there's tons of wine tasting rooms all over the place and really great wine bars uh, where you can feature a lot of these local wines that are available through willamette and through the washington uh, through uh, the columbia
0: river valley as well yeah, it's, it's a great region, and Portland anchors the whole thing. So yeah, my, one of my other favorite things to do there go to Powell City of Books. <laughs> you know, we don't go to bookstores anymore, right? But you got to go there. It's several stores. You can get lost in there. And you can spend a whole day. Love that place. Amazing.
1: Well, uh, I've had quite a bit of time in the area as well, working with uh, several clients. And I have fond memories of uh, Waterfowl Alley, uh, including the famous uh, Multnomah Falls. Uh, actually, the Multnomah Whiskey Library is a good sipping zone. Be sure and drop by there. Um, there's really great fly fishing on the Salmon and Hood Rivers and I just really had such a great time uh, doing that. I love staying in the historic uh, Heathman Hotel and eating inside the Union Station at uh, Wilfs. Amazing space. Um, I could probably write a book someday on all these historic train stations and the wonderful use uh, of them today. We've got so many things to talk about in Portland, Oregon, we decided to pick some of our favorite things. Beer, <laughs> food, and coffee to talk about. You think that's just some of our favorite things, Kendall? Those are the most most important favorite things. Yes, I would agree. We'll be checking out some of the music from Portland in the background during the show. Uh, right now, you're listening to the Oregon Pagan Jug Band. We'll hear from the Decemberists as well and the Melba- Mel Brown Quartet. So we'll start off uh, right away talking about some breweries in the area and i thought i'd give you some statistics about uh, what's in the area as well so here's the numbers folks uh for portland oregon there are
0: 60 craft breweries and that's i think just in city limits just inside right.
1: probably the proper i mean if you were to expand it in like the portland metro you know, metro area that number would probably double pretty quick i so. think it's
0: triple wow. honestly yeah, so like. It's, it's a lot of beer up What's, there.
1: Uh, yeah, i got to believe the per capita, you know, by volume is like, uh, you know, a full
0: barrel of beer per person and women and children. <laughs> well, one of the great <laughs> beer statistics about Portland is the craft beer sales are about 50% of the market up yeah, there, there you which go. is astounding. In most other places in the country, it's probably six to eight. Yeah,
1: so they're keeping it local. Uh, they have the first urban cider pub um, and... Uh, That makes a lot of sense because, I mean, they're right in the shadow of, you know, all this really great, you know, Apple Orchard country, you know, through uh, Washington and on the northern uh, side of uh, Oregon as well. Uh, There are 10 Artisan distilleries, and they actually have the distinction of having the first sake uh, distillery, which makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of uh, Asian uh, culture uh, in the Portland area, um, all up and down, you know, the West Coast.
0: But... That makes a lot of sense that, you know, somebody would have started that in the area. Absolutely. So we are going to be tasting a few beers from Portland, Yay. and uh, we'll, we'll rate those beers one to five, one is blah, and five is amazing. There you go. I'm going to be drinking while Kendall goes through these first beers. <laughs> okay, there's, uh. honestly, i just be upfront. I can't talk about all the breweries in Portland. As Mike said, there's 60, some in the city limits. So I'm just going to give you a few highlights of what some of my favorites were. Um, in Portland. The first is uh, McMenamin's. You've got to check out these McMenamin's. They're all over the city, they're all over really Oregon. They are quintessential Portland beer and Portland culture. What's cool about McMenamin's is they take old spaces like old hotels or old schools or old libraries or whatever and they turn them into inns and hotels and breweries. So they've got these little microbreweries or na- maybe even nanobreweries all over town and I've we've stayed at several uh McMenamin's properties always had a great time so the beer I want to feature there is the McMenamin's Hammerhead Pale Ale it's a classic northwest pale rich amber it's definitely old school so if you're you know modern pale ales are a lot tend to be a lot lighter it would this was great it's ambery it's got caramel notes what you would expect from Cascade hops, pine and grapefruit, and just a solid example of Northwest Pale and of Portland Pale Ale. And I'm giving that one a four. (laughs) Next thing you need to see when you go to Portland to drink beer is visit the old, old, what I'm calling the Old Guard. There's some great old brands there. Uh, Widmer, Bridgeport started it way back in the 80s. Uh, Rogue built a public house in the Pearl District. The Pearl District is in downtown, north of Burnside. Great food, great beer in that area, but the Rogue Public House opened there I think around 2001. Just a few blocks away, you'll find the Deschutes Portland Public House, which opened in 2008. And right across the, the Willamette River on the east side, Hair of the Dog opened in 93. These are all classic old school Portland breweries that are still doing a fantastic job. And you're going to find beer in those public houses, you're not going to find them in your local market where they distribute through other parts of the country. So go visit them and drink the special beers. The beer we're going to taste today is actually, we've got it in front of us. One of my favorite American porters, Deschutes Black Butte. Mike, what'd you think of that beer?
1: Well, you know, I I agree that uh, if there was some distinction of holding this out as a uh, classic American porter, I mean, this is totally it. Um, very classic. Uh, I always describe porters as they really should taste like a Tootsie Roll. That same uh, profile, even the way that, you know, the uh, sugars hit you, the almost yeah. the mouthfeel and the finish, right. is really should uh, flow right along with uh, just a regular Tootsie Roll or a chocolate Tootsie Roll. Usually somewhere in between the two is kind of the right thing. I thought this just had all those same uh, flavor profiles. It wasn't too sweet. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it was, you know, really in balance and in check for sure. Um, I thought that it had a bit of a tad dry finish, which I liked an awful lot. And I thought, uh, the bitterness that was coming off the finish was really great as well. This is just a super solid Porter all the way. My suds rating for the Deschutes Black Butte is going to be a
0: three. <laughs> I like it a little more than Mike does. To me, like I said, this is my favorite American porter. Uh, I love the chocolate. I love the bitterness. And for me, it's a Suds 4. Wow. How about that? Uh, uh, uh. So we even
1: talked about some traditions of this that float around that are actually barrel-aged. And you and I have had some of those. And it really kicks things up yeah. uh, you know, exponentially quite a bit.
0: So I would definitely tell people, if you see those floating around, uh, definitely to seek those as well. Yeah, the, the uh, Barrel-Aged Imperial Black Buttes, uh, I think you're going to find those. Uh, I think they come out every spring, If I'm and I think they're up in like the 27th or 28th year in a row. They're released annually. They're worth a find. Fabulous beers. Cool. Well, they definitely have some very unique breweries um, in the
1: Portland area as well, and I can't wait to talk about this next one, which we've actually covered on the show. Uh, if you want to go back and take a look at our episode called The Most Expensive Beer I've Ever Had. Or I should say it was the most expensive episode I think we've ever recorded.
0: Because we had,
1: uh, I think, a
0: lineup of eight beers from this brewery. Yeah, the next brewery, uh, so we mentioned McMiniman's as a unique Portland brewery, the Old Guard. I wanted to throw out a few unique brewers. And to me, one of the more special ones that everybody always seems to talk about when they're talking about Portland is Cascade, who specializes in sour ales, beers that are fermented with various wild yeast and bacteria to give them a nice Funky tart barnyardy character, and if you're not into sour beers or haven't tried them, give them a shot. Uh, They make some excellent beers at Cascade, but. uh,
2: (laughs) What are you talking about, Willis?
0: We've got a great beer in front of us. Um, and that, this is one of my favorites. Uh, Cascade does a lot of fruited sour beer, So think raspberries, cherries, you know, anything you could put into a beer.
1: Yeah, they have a combination of a really great sour uh, beer culture program as well as they're just masters of blending um and uh like the Saint noir it's just such a fabulous beer uh, we really uh, i remember all of us just raving you know about that particular blend uh the whole time and they have certainly access into some really great barrels from the wine region um mm-hmm. in the area that they've really taken advantage and it's an all barrel program Yes. Uh, they actually do not age anything in stainless at all.
0: So it's uh, pretty amazing. And that's one reason these beers are on the higher end of the price spectrum is yeah. because they take a lot of work. They age for years. They have to be blended, moving those barrels takes a lot of manpower. So, you know, you're paying for some really important quality there.
1: Yeah, and something that you're just not going to see that level of consistent quality across the entire product line itself. I mean there are definitely people doing barrel programs but they might do it with one or two beers but to do it with like 20 beers
0: um that's really you know quite amazing for sure i I think they're some of the best at what they do and what we've got in front of us is one of my favorite examples the cascade apricot northwest sour ale yeah pucker up baby that's what i'm talking about um so uh my
1: tasting notes here on the cascade apricot tart as tart (laughs) for sure you know it has kind of that sweet tart you know yes. kind of element it's a little kind of powdery is how i describe it um very complex though and it's not just a one note wonder i mean you can mm. taste like different elements of style of tartness going through this and so it's not just kind of a one size fits all you know the whole way as well um i thought uh you'd probably want to eat something with this i think that would be a really good choice nice funky cheese uh yeah for sure um and i really love the aroma off this uh the apricots definitely were blooming off the nose um i mean it it smelled like you had just stuck your head in a bowl full of apricots and just taking a big whiff you know it was just really gorgeous Uh, i love this um my such rating for the cascade apricot is going to be a four
2: uh, uh,
0: uh. I uh, I love this dude. And that's why I picked this beer. Um, good old boy Mike, let me choose the beers for this. And while there were very uh many Cascades available, this is the one I wanted because to me, apricot, peach, those stone fruits just work so well with the tart character of these beers. It's kind of a, a very soft fruit flavor. Uh, other common ones are cherry or raspberry, and Cascade makes great beers with those, but. This apricot is special to me, and I'm giving it a five. Wow, how about that? Wow, that goes forever. One other brewery I wanted to throw out was uh, Ex Novo, which is very interesting uh, in that of all the Portland breweries, actually it's one of the few I know of, this is a non-profit corporation. So they donate all the profits uh, to charities. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I think there are some breweries
1: that are still just looking to actually be positive where they could actually donate some of their
0: profits to charity. There's a lot of no-profit breweries (laughs) out there. A lot of no-profit breweries for sure. But this one uh, is a great community spirit. I looked at their website, and the the charitable organizations they're giving money to are amazing. So that's a great one. There's a lot of uh, breweries in Portland, too. Like I said, I can't mention them all, but I'll throw out a few names here to check out. Eclectic, Breakside, Basecamp all doing great stuff Uh, but you can't go wrong great breweries all over portland definitely
1: well be sure and uh, check out uh, some of the breweries we talked about here and the beers uh, as well and if we didn't name your favorite definitely plenty of others to choose from as well well that kind of wraps up our segment here on brewery and beer in portland oregon we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back Welcome back to Sip Sides and Smokes. On today's Quick Shot episode, we are going through some of our favorite things in Portland, Oregon. And we have a a lot of great things to talk about during this segment. Uh, We're gonna go through uh, some of our uh, favorite food choices. Uh, Then we're gonna transition and talk about some coffee in the area as well. So uh, you had some things in mind. I like how you broke these down. So breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, Then we had some specialty food categories, what we're going to go through. So you have a really cool place to talk about for breakfast.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite breakfast spots in Portland. Uh, And it's a great spot for dinner, lunch as well. But I love their breakfast. And that's the Doug Fur Lounge on East Burnside. It's a mile or two past uh, the Burnside Bridge.
1: Yeah, great place. So, uh, great breakfast place. Mm -hmm. Um, Very uh, log cabin uh, decor.
0: And then you get to this very unusual music scene for sure. They've got a music venue there. They've got a it's a hotel music scene, music venue and a restaurant and a bar. It's it's wow, it's everything you want in one place, right? <laughs> I love what you said that they uh, leave in every room. They have condoms on the
1: uh, on the <laughs> in the bedside <laughs> Gotta place. be prepared. So yeah, I was out. asking. So I uh, wonder if they have overnight rates and three-hour rates. I wonder if no, they. It's, can it's, go a around place, it's a classy place. It's a classy. It's a very nice place. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of difficult to get my head wrapped around a place that you have pancakes and the same place as you hear a punk music concert. You know, that's just. I don't know. There's there's something uh, <laughs> that's Portland. Yeah, you know, but. Well, uh, you got to love that furniture as well, because I am, am quite certain that it is reclaimed furniture from a Howard Johnson. It's got that look. It it's, really has it's that look. It's got a look, cool vintage, it? what is that, mid-century look? Uh, yeah, it's seventies, uh 60s, 70s look. But yeah. Other than other than change the color, because everything's brown or black, I think and uh i think the original chairs were orange to match the howard johnson motif but it's slick man it could have been a howard johnson's back in the day it, really I, could have. it could have been and they just you know if you peeled back some of those log cabin pieces you know i wonder if you'll find the original uh you know pieces so you might. i love this uh quote that i saw from a uh, a google local guide called pris Ferre. fier if i pronounce your your name wrong i'm terribly sorry Great review here. I thought I'd just share it with you. The clams are very good. The other uh, food we had was so so. The decor mostly uh, made for it. Definitely visit the bathroom. (laughs) So, (laughs) absolutely. We, you know, we get to go to a lot of great places, but you know that you're in a big place when the. The the bathroom is is on the, the menu. Draw, <laughs> That's yeah. the draw. So we have one place that is in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, that is uh, part of the Capitol Grill in the Hermitage Hotel. It's in the uh, ground floor, and the bathroom is is almost as famous as the Oak Room, which is the bar right next to the to the restroom itself. They actually have to shut down the men's room, like once an hour to let people go in and take pictures you know
0: of the restroom that's crazy yeah my wife's been in that restroom a few times uh
1: so i would describe the restroom here at uh the doug fur lounge as you can walk in and i think you can actually hear donna summer so <laughs> you know good yeah so good that's, choice. that's the best way i can describe it for sure <sighs> Uh, so we had another really great uh, part of town that
0: um, you and I have both been through, which is Burnside. It's, it's just a great area, especially East Burnside. Just one great restaurant or place to hang out after another.
1: So I had one place that I really love in Burnside. And I've really kind of noticed this phenomenon uh, in a lot of cities in the U.S. where there's kind of been this urban feel. You'll find a part of town that you know probably existed Uh, in a bedroom community back in the 50s and that uh, you'll find these kind of uh, you know retail areas uh, where it's a combination of retail and you know single family homes are kind of abutting each other yep and they kind of turn into these outdoor malls where people are kind of walking you know around for four or five blocks and i've seen them in a lot of cities and this is the one area uh, within portland that's like this there was one place that really caught uh, my attention in uh, burnside which is navarre so first off i gotta tell you the name is really kind of a funny story about it so the missus and i when we were trying to pick the name of our son uh, she is a huge fan of Lady Hawk, the movie. And so the, one of the named uh, characters in that movie is Navarre. Well, on the, script, on the cast, on, in the script, they spell it N A V A L. I'm sorry, but it is naval. I am not going to call my kid naval. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. She was like, "No, no, no, no. It's it's spelled a French way. It's spelled N A V A R R E. You say it with a French flair, Navarre." And I'm like, "No, babe. I'm sorry." Well, uh, Chef uh, James Melendez um, has really done a great job with this place. First off, there's really great wines by the glass. There's probably 50 plus wines by the glass, which is Really amazing uh, to have that many by the glass. I would describe the cuisine as Basque, Espana, and French cuisine. It's kind of a tapa style place. It's really a great place to nosh, sip, and uh, people watch, which is one of my favorite uh, things to do. Um, my. F- the, I think the favorite phrase that you'll hear in this place is somebody will lean over and go, yeah, yeah what's that? That looks good. <laughs> because I think it's some uh, names and cuisine everybody doesn't
0: quite get. But when you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll have some it. of that for Absolutely. sure. Uh, definitely. Let's move on to lunch. Okay. I cannot go to Portland without going to this place. And you've probably heard of it. It's it's kind of a big deal. Pock uh, Pock. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, they, to they've even got a Pock Pock in New York City now. Yeah, that's true. So, Pak uh, Pak is best described as Thai street food. This is on Southeast Division in the southeast part of town, um, and it's it's pretty easy to get to if you're based down if you're staying at a place downtown. But it's just it's not like what you're going to find in most typical American Thai restaurants. This is the food they serve throughout Southeast Asia, not just Thai but Vietnamese. It's it's what you're going to get on the street. You know things people are cooking up, and it's small portions, easy to eat. You can order a bunch of different food and enjoy every bit of it.
1: Yeah, uh, so let's talk about the wings here, though. Yeah, Thai wings. They've got those, and they've also got the Vietnamese fish sauce wings. Oh, yeah, you just need to walk in and say, (laughs) oh, yeah, yes, I will have that. Listen, don't even look at the menu. Just take our word for it. Just just walk in and go, "Uh, why are you here? I'm here for the wings, man. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Uh, listen, if you think you're going to walk in and have your typical Thai experience, oh, I'll have the green curry with the chicken, and I don't like those bean sprouts and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm sorry. You, get out, all right? <laughs> uh, there is no Pad Thai here at all on the menu. Um, and uh, I think one of the very good recommendations I would tell you to do uh, from a cocktail is order the Pok Pok Som. Uh, It's actually a drinking vinegar. Ooh, I've never tried that. Really amazing stuff. If you've never had this, uh, really great. Um, You need to ask a friend to actually take a video of you drinking this. Uh, And if they do, be sure and send us a copy of the video (laughs) as well. I am not leading you astray. I am telling you this is the good stuff uh, for sure. But really great place for lunch. Uh, a lot of great lunch places, uh, even in Burnside as well. But uh, I would say uh, definitely Pock Pock is
0: uh, one of the things you put on your short list here. Let's go to dinner. Oh, uh, I can't get enough of this place. This is also I probably should explore Portland more, but I found what I really like there. It's and going and back again and, and keep again. Going back <laughs> again and again. So Laurelhurst is also on uh, East Burnside, farther outside of town, maybe a few more miles down from, say, Doug Fur. Um, they are a butcher shop, and I, I am would be certain it's all locally raised organic beef. Mm-hmm. Um, butcher shop, they make their own charcuterie. They have a steakhouse, and probably one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life was at Laura Hearst Market. It's it's almost on par with Burn Steakhouse in Tampa. Wow! Yeah. Okay. It's that good.
1: Um. That's, so, uh, that's, that's a, that's a full-blown uh, throwdown right there. We're going to fly both places.
0: We, we definitely we'll to need to go both places. Let's do that yeah. over a weekend. Do coast-to-coast uh, steakhouse throwdown. Totally different feel. I mean, it's a small place. It's like a local butcher shop that has some tables. In fact, make reservations. This place is slammed all the time, and it's not a very big spot.
1: Well, you walk in and I have to say the setup is actually the deli counter. So, and there's a lot of places that, you know, I walk into and there's like a deli counter and you're like, eh, you know, it's okay. No, 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 I'm sorry. You're going to just like be licking the deli counter, you know, glass itself going, uh, uh, I'll some of that. Okay. Um, cause it really gets you thinking, you know, and then bam, you sit down and you get the hanger steak <laughs> from heaven. I am talking, everything just kind of opens up. Um, so there's one sauce that's on the table. Uh, I don't know if they have it all the time, um, but I would say that if it's it definitely is available has been available there at Laurelhurst. It's a local made sauce called Crazy Sauce, um, and it's a ghost chili sauce. And you know uh, we're both hotheads. so you know Kendall's over there going, "I want some of that, man." So, um, and I would mm-hmm. definitely tell you to uh, check out a really great cocktail while we're there at Laurelhurst as well. It's called Full of Dollars. It's a, it's a fairly popular cocktail in the Northeast area. I've seen it in Denver, in uh, in Idaho, and uh, in um, Seattle as well. Um, it's a really great cocktail. Uh, here's uh, some of the simple ingredients. It's bourbon, luxardo, uh, amaro, uh, mole bitters, uh, mezcal mist, and a little bit of uh, orange bitter as well. Or I should say orange peel. Um, but just a really uh, fantastic beverage. I would give their uh, particular rendition there, at Lower Hearst, a Sips rating of four. That's
2: classified.
0: Oh, I got to have dessert. Oh yeah. Or breakfast. Or breakfast. Or, or midday Or snack. any day. <laughs> you know, because you it's a little cliche at this point, but you can't talk about Portland and visiting Portland without talking about Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, definitely. You got
1: to swing by there. It's a, uh, they're not going to let you leave the
0: uh, airport
1: unless you snap a picture, as well as show that your passport's been stamped that you went to Voodoo. So you
0: know, and I'm a donut aficionado. So there's other great ones in town, like Blue Star it gets a lot of press as well, Coco. But Voodoo is just one of those places you got to go. The kitsch of it, the 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 fun story they're telling there. My only tip about Voodoo is don't go to the one downtown because that's where the big crazy lines is and it's yeah. packed full of tourists. About a mile or so away on the uh, northeast side of town, you're going to find the more local voodoo, and you can get in and out of there in no time at all. So that's the one, June and I. And it's also if you've got a rental car, it's not you know it's on your way into town from the airport, so even better.
1: Yeah so voodoo is really expanding quite a bit i mean they're turning into like mega brands oh yeah I, um, I just heard there's one in denver of uh, all places. yep there's one in denver there's actually another one they opened in universal studios wow that's crazy that's big time that's definitely big time yeah i look forward to the sip suds and smokes booth at universal studios anytime mm-hmm. now uh well i'm glad we actually talked
0: about blue star uh i mean what what's the big difference between blue star and voodoo to mind. me, Blue Star are just premium donuts, well made, the best ingredients, just a fantastic, almost dining experience. Where I said Voodoo, it's it's kish, it's camp, it's it's a lot of fun, and they're good donuts, but they're kind of like old school donuts with a twist that have something unique done to them. Whereas Blue Star, I would say more of a of a gourmet donut. Hmm.
1: Well, they have uh, probably one of the most interesting, and it's almost I call it a process for a donut. So listen, you gotta check this out. Look, this is an adult donut. It is called the Quattro Creme Brulee.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, uh, get your head around that for sure. Um, so yeah, you definitely want to step up. So this is a uh, a uh, creme filled uh, donut, uh, vanilla, and what they do is they actually put Quattro that they have actually. Uh, Um, infused it with some vanilla beans, and they put it in a small vial, uh, almost like an eyedropper, and then they turn it upside down and jam it into the donut.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. All right,
1: so listen, it's very difficult to describe this on the radio. We'll actually put a picture of this uh, on our Facebook page. You want to check it out for sure. But So here's the deal. It actually is a process. You get the donut, you squeeze the Cointreau into uh, into the middle of the donut along with the cream, and you just let it sit there and kind of ooze into the uh, into the donut itself, and then you chow down. And so you're getting kind of this. Cointreau is a, a triple sec or a, kind of an orange uh, liqueur. Mm-hmm. So you get this uh, cream, sugar, vanilla. Then you get all the you know elements of the uh, the donut itself with this texture. It's just amazing heaven uh, all the way around for yeah. sure.
0: You need to stop because I'm about to book a a flight back to Portland. Uh, I didn't try that. I need to go. It's very cool. But I have to say, really, I mean,
1: seriously, this is just so underwhelming. I'm actually waiting for the flaming donut that has lasers attached to it at this point. So that might happen (laughs) for sure. Well, uh, a lot of uh, amazing stuff t- uh, to drink and eat uh, while you're in Portland, Oregon. We've covered some really great places you should check out. Well, next up, we're going to talk about coffee. We're going to take a uh, quick transition here. And Laura's going to join us uh, for this next segment.
0: And now it's sipping time.
1: we'll pick up our conversation about Portland with coffee joining us for this discussion is good old gal Laura
3: hi there I'm half caffeinated and ready to drink some more
1: (laughs) well I think she needs something a bit more stronger you know uh, with coffee this morning Laura is from third wave coffee tours in Portland and we'll hear more about that at the end of this segment when we're thinking of uh, topics for this episode, coffee was the first thing that came to mind. It's so much part of the culture of Portland. Why do you think that's the case, Laura?
3: Well, that's true. We love our coffee here in the City of Roses, and I like to refer to coffee as liquid sunshine. Mm. It sees us through our long gray winters and springs, and sometimes even early summers. It's our happy juice. <laughs> so here's our numbers. Minus vodka. <laughs> Well that Our too, gen. that too, of course, <laughs> that's in the evening, um, but this keeps us going during the day. So here's the numbers, we here in Portland have 737 coffee shops, roughly uh, 150 of those are Starbucks or other chains, and approximately 600 of those have independent shops, most of them serving locally roasted coffee. So that's great. Here in Portland, we have around 60 individuals, or organizations, that are roasting coffee, and we are listed as one of the top three most caffeinated cities in America. The way they calculate that is they look at the number of, of coffee shops we have and the amount we spend per month, which is $34. So to round out those top three, we also have our West Coast sister cities, Seattle, Washington, and of course, San Francisco.
1: Wow. So. <laughs> uh... They don't actually have a coffee addiction therapy center there yet, but
3: you are open to the idea, right? Absolutely. I think that's a great business idea. (laughs) (laughs) So the coffees that we're going to be trying today are from two Portland specialty coffee companies. They are Stumptown Coffee Roasters and Water Avenue. So Stumptown was founded in 1999 by Dwayne Sorensen and is widely considered one of the pioneers of third wave coffee movement which in a nutshell is treating coffee as specialty product and thinking about the ethics and sustainability of the supply chain. So, Stumptown has heavily influenced Portland's coffee scene with their sourcing practices, their introduction of single-origin coffees, and their roasting levels, among other things. And then Water Avenue was founded a decade later in 2009 by a father-son team, Bruce and Matt Moletto. They have deep ties in the specialty coffee industry, with Bruce being named one of the top 25 most influential people in specialty coffee, and Matt currently serving as the Oregon Coffee Board President. So the coffees we'll be trying today are from um, from Stumptown are their blend Hairbender and a single origin from Costa Rica called Montes de Oro. From Water Avenue we'll be tasting their blend El Toro and a single origin from El Salvador that's been aged in a Pinot Noir barrel.
1: Yeah so we're going to be going over both of these uh, or these coffees and we'll be using our sips ratings which are one from Five, One being the best and five, I'm sorry, <laughs> one being worst, five being the best. And we're actually going to start with Stumptown and Hairbender. And so here's a quick bit of background on Hairbender itself. Named for a long shuttered beauty parlor that housed the first Stumptown location, Hairbender was the very first blend that Stumptown founder Dwayne Sorensen introduced to the world. In fact, we still have the Hairbender sign in our headquarters, watching over us as we roast each a batch of Hairbender. It's our most popular coffee for good reason. A cup of Hairbender has clarity, complexity, Indonesia's rich textures are balanced by the classic flavors of Latin America and Africa. We use, it, uh, we use it at our cafes for espresso, but it's also great uh, for all brew methods as well. Laura, what's some of your uh, tasting notes here on Hairbender?
3: Oh, give me a chance to slurp it here. Is that good enough? Okay. <laughs> that so, <worked. laughs> Right. So I find Hairbender to be complex with a fairly heavy body. It has, uh, for me, a hint of citric sweetness leaning towards maybe orange or grapefruit. And then there's a slightly earthy finish with a hint of spice. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't love Hairbender as a black coffee. So my sip score is a two.
1: Well, isn't that nice? However. Some of my own tasting notes here. uh, (laughs) This was kind of all over the place. It was like... Uh, taking in each thing individually, but it never really kind of came together, um, you know, for me. Um, Actually, until I added milk, um, which for some reason it seemed to all kind of blend together, you know, a lot better once I added a little bit of that. Um, Sweet, uh, bright, um, burnt sugar kind of aftertaste. Some floral hints uh, with the touch of dirt, um, you know, in the aroma. I probably would move on to something else and I would give it a sips rating of two. Well, isn't
3: that nice? Okay, so however, I I agree once I added a splash of half and half, I think it was a major game changer and it smoothed it out. I got this chocolatey balance cup that I could drink all day and that's pretty much how they serve it at the Stumptown Cafes. It's usually espresso with milk. So I would jump my score up to about a four if I were adding milk, but black, Mm. not so much. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I agree so the next uh, stumptown coffee that we have to go through here is the montez de oro now this is a single origin um and here's their description from stumptown brew a pot of this and you'll likely drink the entire thing a bright flash of spiced apple cider mellows quickly into a conf- uh, c- comforting warm finish makes for an exceptional afternoon cup best taken with your favorite pastry um now um uh, unfortunately laura wasn't able to get a hold of this single origin um but there are some other single origins that are available um, from stump town as as well i think you saw one that was available to you locally right
3: right it was a colombia el hordan that was very delicious and they uh, they're also serving an indonesian that is a washed process which is a much different um, way to process um, indonesian coffee it's very very good
1: <clears throat> yeah so that's a bit of some of the thing you have to navigate around with some of these single origins is they may not always be available in your particular market and they tend to kind of come and go depending on availability crops as well as you know the overall roasting schedule itself so and it's a good thing you know when sometimes you're hunting for the good stuff you actually have to hunt so (laughs) think about it so (laughs) here are some of my tasting notes here on uh montez de oro um It's like they dropped this into a cider barrel and aged it a bit. That tart apple thing smacks you around pretty hard and it's laced with some pumpkin pie spice blends like cinnamon, nutmeg, and cardamom. Um, It's very complex and I felt like there were 40 things going on, but that that tart thing just obliterated the ability to distinguish uh, a lot of those 40 things. Very interesting. Um, It's good if you want to take a break maybe from your regular choices and kind of refresh your palate. Um, I I like this. I'm going to give it a sips rating of four. So Laura's going to go over our Water Avenue coffees.
3: Alright, so this is um, El Toro, it's their blend of Latin American and African coffees. Uh, According to Water Avenue, they say dark chocolate and sweet peanut butter shine alongside caramel sweetness and an apple-like acidity. So my tasting notes are when I ground the beans, I got a burst of Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. It was crazy. And I find the El Toro to be smooth and balanced, kind of an uncomplicated, easy drinker. And I'd be perfectly content to sip on a cup of El Toro, but it's not necessarily a cup I would seek out. It neither offends me or inspires me. So my sip score is a three.
2: Interesting.
1: Well, my own tasting notes are uh, similar as well. Very simple, kind of mild, light bitter. You know, it had a a bit of a light melon, both in the aroma as well as some of the taste. A slight floral um, aspect also uh, on the aroma. I just thought it was a good, mild, everyday blend. And I have the same exact rating, a sips rating of three.
2: Interesting.
3: So the next one is a Pinot Noir aged El Salvador Mm. coffee. And <laughs> so on Coffee. their bag, they're saying, we what love to What is going s- on here? <laughs> well, you know, we do both very well here in Oregon, so. Um, They say, we love to celebrate relationships and this project brings together two great ones, the Menendez family who grow coffee in El Salvador and Sokol Blosser Winery in Dayton, Oregon. We age coffee grown by the Menendez family in oak barrels that once held Sokol Blosser's famous Pinot Noir, infusing the rich, chocolatey, Salvadorian coffee with the poignant grape notes of great Willamette Valley Pinot Noir so my tasting notes let me get a slurp here i think it's time for another slurp here we go Ooh, that is one wild coffee it's fruity it's whiny and pleasantly tangy and it has a substantial um, cup feel and a, a rich mouth feel um, just for fun Um, I added a splash of half and half. I thought I would hate it with the addition of milk. In fact, it was delightful. And I compare it to Nestle's strawberry milk. (laughs) It's very surprising. So my sip score for this coffee would be a four.
1: That's
2: classified.
1: My own tasting notes. sweetly bright uh, subtly wine toned you know it really had kind of this bloom of raisins about it as well um, the wood was very present orange <clears throat> zest oak floral honey uh, suckle it kind of that hint of grape uh, was all the way around especially in the aroma and in the cup itself um, gentle roundly bright uh, acidity that raisin grape thing you know carries into an oaky but very sweet tone finish Um, quite tasty i i i thought this was going to sink or swim and it it actually worked so i'm going to give it a sips rating of four
3: well that's classified
1: well great coffee all the way around Uh, so um i had a couple other topics here we can cover uh quickly so laura with that many coffee shops i mean 600 plus coffee shops in portland oregon i i gotta ask what's your favorite one
3: Oh, man, you know, I get asked that all the time, and can I give you a politician's answer? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Okay, so here goes. I love so many of our local coffee shops, and I tend to have a rolling list of favorites based on what they're serving. So I'm currently obsessed with the Rwandan that's on bar at Sisters Coffee Company. They have a gorgeous shop in the Pearl District, and they've been roasting coffee since the 80s. It was started by the Durham family, and over time, the parents have started um handing over control to their t- three children who have carefully guided the company from kind of a traditional roaster into the third wave. So Jesse, their daughter, who's the director of operations, actually ran the International Peace Marathon in Kigali, Rwanda last year and raised over um, near $4,000 in order to purchase a water pump for the co-op that wow. they source their coffee from. So they're just a super nice family. They're very involved in their direct trade relationships and they offer an extremely welcoming environment in their cafe both here in the Pearl District as well in Sisters Oregon which is in Central Oregon near Bend
2: Mm.
1: well that's a very common thing (laughs) with a lot of coffee shops which is combining service of coffee and uh, community involvement with a bit of a purpose right that's That's, a pretty common thing that a lot of people like to do
3: absolutely yeah yeah
1: so, uh, Laura and I had a chance to talk a little bit more uh, about some of the coffee scene in advance. Now, I'm a home roaster, and you shared with me that you have this unique co-op roasting facilities in Portland. And I actually never heard of something like this that was available before, and I am dying for you to tell all the bean heads <laughs> like me about this very cool concept.
3: Sure. Um, Yeah, we have two companies in town that for all intents and purposes operate as roasting co-ops. One is called Aspect Coffee Collective, and the other one is called Buckman Coffee Factory. And in a nutshell, they own and maintain roasting equipment that people are able to rent time on. And it's kind of revolutionary to the coffee industry. And it really gives um, a lot of people a chance to roast their own coffee and make it much more affordable. And I think it's one of the Secret Sauce is why Portland has such an amazing, evolved, and dynamic coffee scene is because you don't have to use that huge capital investment to buy a very expensive machine. They can just rent time on a roaster. So it really opens the door, I think.
1: Well, and I think this allows people to kind of get to know uh, some of these products in a bit more intimate way as well and kind of move into that space of really understanding that coffee is really about the bean and, and the roasting element is it, it is very important um, but you really have to start with a really great raw ingredient to begin with and I, I, I've got to believe this has enriched the base of, of roasting talent you know in the Portland area because you have the ability of people kind of uh, acquiring the skill and and tr- trying it on scale you know at the same time you know with this co-op roasting so uh, it's a really cool concept.
3: Yeah, we we really appreciate those companies here in Portland.
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and you can catch more of our episodes online, including our regular weekly show. You can check out all things
0: Portland at the Travel Portland site, TravelPortland.com. Why couldn't they use WeirdPortland.com or BestAirportCarpet.com?
1: This is a complete waste of time. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they're going to go for that, Kindle, but I have to say, I like the weirdportland.com. That that, that one could work pretty good. So um, I'd like to thank my co-hosts for being here today. Uh, Laura, why don't you take a little bit of time. Tell us a little bit about your coffee tour company and uh, anything else
3: sure Um, we offer walking tours in various neighborhoods around portland and we visit local cafes and roasteries where we do tastings brew demos and educate people about coffee while we sip our way across the city you can find us online at www.thirdwavecoffeetours all spelled out and all the social media platforms at third wave coffee tours thanks so much for having me mike this was fun i'm laura caffeinate and carry on
1: Well, Kendall has a really great blog, and it's actually not weird. (laughs) Not too weird. Not too weird. Why don't you tell us about your blog?
0: My wife and I uh, blog about the good news of good beer at BeerMakes3.com. It's been wonderful being here with you today. Cheers, y'all. And remember... Keep Portland weird.
2: I thought
1: it was actually Keep Austin weird. Isn't that? No, I, I think Portland has it's Like did, How many weird places first. can there be? Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll get it together. Hey, this is good old boy Mike from Sip Suds and Smokes asking you to join us once again. Come back and I will ask you to keep on sipping. This has been a one-tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see y'all next time.